the gospel according to Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 13. I'm going to read from the new international version. If you're there, you say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, I'm lost. Luke is somewhere before 1 Corinthians, between Malachi and Genesis. When you find it next year, let me know. The Bible says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the cause of Abia, and his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed his priestly office before God in the order of his cause, according to the customs of the priest's office, and his Lord was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right hand right side of the altar of incense. And when Zachariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Fear not, Zachariah, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and you shall call his name John. Father, we ask that you bless the word we are about to hear this morning. Let this word bring transformation. Let this will be a revelation that will take somebody to the next level. Be glorified, Yahweh. Be magnified. Take the praise and glory this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I've been talking to you this morning on what I caption, how to wait for God's time. How to wait for God's time. I'd like you to put all the children either on silence or vibration, or you put them off. Three things. <laughs> Amen. How to wait for God's time. Many people have said so many things about God's time. Every time somebody gets a disappointment, the next thing they say is, God's time is the best. So whether the devil is at work or God is at work, we always say, God's time is the best. And there are people who started saying God's time is the best. From 2001 until today, nothing has changed. And God's time is still the best. So the question then is, when is God's time? If I'm going to keep waiting for God's time till I die, then when exactly is God's time? If I'm going to keep waiting for God's time until my time to do what I'm supposed to do has passed, when then is God's time? If I am, let's say, 65 years old and I'm not yet married, I don't have a house, and I'm saying God's time is the best, when exactly will be God's time? Is it during my funeral service? The question is, many people say God's time, but don't understand what exactly is God's time. But as I begin to preach this morning, I pray that God will open your ears to understand what is God's time? Is someone hearing me this morning? After today, 
You will not give credit to God for something that the devil is doing. And after today, you will not give credit to the devil for something that God is doing. Because you will understand what exactly is God's time. Amen. Amen. The Bible said the children of Issachar had the understanding of the time. They knew when it was God's time. There is an appointed season for the life of every child of God. There are seasons of blessings. There are seasons of favor. There are seasons of upliftment. And once you understand these seasons, your life can never be the same again. But when you fail to understand these seasons and divine timings, you are going to keep saying God's time is the best, God's time is the best, and nothing will ever change. Many of you here today are waiting for God's time. Maybe waiting for God's time for a promotion. Waiting for God's time for a job. Waiting for God's time for a marriage. Waiting for God's time for a house. Waiting for God's time for a breakthrough. There is a, everybody is waiting for God's time in some way or the other. But this morning as we go into this text, I want to help you see how to wait for God's time. And I pray that your ears be open this morning to hear what God is saying. In the name of Jesus. The Bible starts in verse 5 of Luke chapter 1. It says there was a priest who had a wife called Elizabeth. Now the reason why the Bible opens this story by talking about their, their genealogy is because in this culture, whenever something was wrong with somebody, they attributed that thing to where they came from. For example, if you were not prospering, they would say maybe your family is scarce or your father is the problem. Because in the Old Testament, the Bible clearly says that the sins of a man shall affect him and his children even up to the fourth generation. So if you were struggling with something, it was easy to say it is because of something that your father did. So the Bible opens this story by saying that this people were not just any kind of Jews. They were actually connected to the priestly family. In other words, Zachariah was a priest and he came from the Levitical family. And Elizabeth was of the daughters of Aaron. Meaning that the great-grandfather was Aaron. So there was nothing you could point back to blame their parents for anything happening to their lives. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I'm saying this because there are some things that may be happening to you now. That you need to check your lineage to see what is going wrong. You may have some troubles today that your father went through the same trouble. Your grandfather went through the same trouble. And for you to solve that problem, you have to understand that it has to go beyond you to somebody else where you came from. There are some battles you are fighting that are not your battle. They are your grandfather's battles that he did not fight. And that battle has continued to run down in your lineage. Say they were both children of the priest. And in verse 6, the Bible said they were both righteous and blameless. They were not just religious leaders, but they were both genuine servants of God. You know, today there are many people who carry titles. Reverend, doctor, bishop, apostle, right, reverend, bishop, pope. They have no relationship with God. They have more of a title than a relationship with God. But the Bible said they were not just priests. They were both righteous and blameless in the sight of God. I always pray that God will give me the grace to be a genuine man of God. Amen. That I will not be called just by the title. 
May people see my life and know that I'm a man of God, not just by my title. Hallelujah. I actually heard somebody say, I'm sorry. I cannot think about a man as a pastor, referring to a pastor. Can you imagine that you're living somewhere or working somewhere and your colleagues say, I cannot think of you as a pastor? Because there is nothing about your life that reflects that you're a child of God. The Bible said they were both walking in the ways of the Lord, blameless. And the second reason why this is mentioned is because anytime a person had a trouble, it was considered a judgment for sin. You remember when Job was in trouble, the brothers came and said, the friends came and said, if there is something you have done, confess. Because people always interpret misfortune as a judgment of sin. So the Bible clarifies that this was not something that these people did to, end, to be in this trouble. It was not a judgment for their sin. That is what the Bible is clear to say. They were walking in the ways of the Lord blameless. Bible was in verse 7 to say they were childless. Now you would think that people that are this faithful to God and this genuine and sincere to God will not have any trouble. And there are Christians who also think that when they give their life to Christ, they will be free from trouble. And so they ask questions like, why is it that since I started going to church, things are not going well with me? Because in their mind they thought, if I go to church every Sunday, then God is going to remove me from trouble. But let me tell you something. Whenever you become serious with God, you just declare war against the devil. The devil does not fight those who are already on his side. The devil does not fight those who are already walking in his will. When you decide to live for God, when you decide to live right and do the things that are pleasing to God, you just declare war against the devil. Because now you are swimming against the tide. If you ever swim in a river, if you are swimming on the, in, in the same direction as the river flow, you don't struggle to swim. But you are, if you are swimming against the tide, swimming upward, you struggle because the river is pushing you backwards. Whenever you become a child of God, you are swimming against the tide. That is why you start facing difficulties. Hashim, the devil is fighting because he wants you to come back to his side. Elizabeth and Zachariah were righteous, but had no child. Let me announce to you, your coming to church will not remove you from trouble. May I say that again? Your believing in Jesus will not remove you from trouble. In fact, Jesus says, in this life, you will have tribulation. He said, but you have overcome the world. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Then the Bible says, Elizabeth. He said, that Elizabeth was barren. The name Elizabeth is a very favorable name. Right now, there are about 3.5 million people in the world called Elizabeth. So when the Bible said, that Elizabeth, there were many Elizabeths. But that one, that particular one, he says, was barren. And this is important too because whenever a family has a problem of childlessness, the first person to be blamed is always a woman. The man is never the trouble because they don't, they, they don't really go through diagnosis to know what is the problem. So the woman is always the problem. But the Bible is clear to say it was Elizabeth because there is a possibility that it could also be Zacharias. And as we learn, we even learn that sometimes when a woman has multiple miscarriages, it is not because she can't carry the baby. The strength of the man's seed 
determines if the baby stays in the womb or not. Meaning if your, if your seed is weak, that baby can't stay. So even if the woman is having miscarriage, we always look at the woman to be the problem. But it could be because your seed is weak that the womb of the woman can't carry it. Is somebody hearing me this morning? So whenever you have trouble, don't look at the woman only. It could be both people. Amen. Especially back in Africa, when the woman cannot have a child, the woman is in trouble. Nobody ever thinks about the man. They will even suggest for the man to marry another woman. Because they think that if he changes a wife, things will change. Not knowing that he may be the problem. And the Bible says that the whole multitude, I mean, as, uh, in verse 8, it says, It came to pass that while he executed his priestly duty in the order of his cause. Now, let me give you a background to understand why this is important. In Israel, there were about 18,000 priests. 18,000. And can you imagine in the church, 18,000 pastors in one church? And those priests were divided into 24 groups. And each group is supposed to serve two weeks in a year. Now, if you divide 18,000 by 24, there are hundreds of priests in one group. And that group has only two weeks to serve in a year. So when it came to your group, they do what they call cast lots. For those who also know what it means to cast lots in Africa, we do something we can to select. So if that selection fell on you, then you were the one to burn incense in the temple. So there was a possibility that you could be a priest all your life and never had the opportunity to serve in the temple. But when it came for God to remember Zacharias, the Lord fell on Zachariah. May I prophesy to somebody, whatever selection that shall be done this season shall not pass you back. I said, whatever selection that shall be done in this season shall not pass you back. Amen. When it's your time, it's your time. Is somebody hearing me? Among those hundreds of people, the Lord fell on Zacharias. He went and burned incense. And in verse 9, he says, and it came to pass. In verse 9, he says, he was to burn incense. Incense in the Bible is a symbol of prayers. When the incense are burned, the Bible says it goes before God as the prayers of the saints. He burned incense. Number two, since they were sacrificing live animals in the temple, the incense was also there to drive away that bad odor of the dead animals that were in the temple. So that was a Zacharias' duty to burn incense. And verse 10, it says that on that day that Zachariah was burning incense, the whole multitude was outside. Now, it was not every day that people gathered in the temple. What is he saying? The day God decides to remember you, it shall not be a secret event. People shall know that God has remembered you. Amen. People shall watch how God is blessing you. Amen. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Amen. God is going to celebrate you in public. It shall not be in secret. Amen. This family that was childless for too long, God had to gather people in order to announce their blessing. When your announcement shall come, it shall not be in secret. Amen. Your friends shall know. Amen. Your family shall know. Amen. The people that despise you and talk against you shall know that the Lord has remembered you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Bible said, There appeared unto him an angel 
standing at the right hand, right side of the altar. If you read the Bible very well in Joshua, when Joshua was in the temple, the Bible also says an angel appeared at the same right side of the altar to accuse Joshua, the high priest. Because he was wearing, he said, you have filthy garments. But this time, this angel appeared not to judge Zacharias, but to give him a good news. May I announce to somebody, there is an angel coming to give you an announcement that will change the course of your life. Amen. Your amen is so weak. I said, there is an angel coming to give you an announcement that will change the course of your life. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. When Zacharias saw this angel, the Bible says he fell to the ground. He was afraid. Now, this is a symbol of reverence. I have spoken so many times about reverence. And I said that the true symbol or the true characteristics of a man that has encountered God is reverence. If you see a man that is so proud in himself, so full in himself, they have not met God. Whenever a man has encountered God, they become broken people. They become humble. That is why I see people who are in God's presence with caps on their heads. When the Bible said the 24 elders in heaven remove their crowns and cast them before the Lord's presence. And you have people who are in God's presence chewing goblet. Whenever you come into God's presence, there is a reverence that you have. There is a fear that you have when you know you're in God's presence. So, a man's attitude in God's presence is a revelation of his, of his intimacy with God. Is somebody hearing me? There are things when you have intimacy with God you can't do in God's presence. When you see a man who takes their phone in God's presence and is browsing on WhatsApp or even answering the call under the chair, it's a revelation of their intimacy with God. Once a man has known God, there are things you can't do in God's presence. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? There are things you can't do. A friend, an old friend from Babanki is calling you during church service. And you have the nerve to leave the church to go answer the call. If you know who you are and the revelation you have with God, you can't leave the service for nobody. Anything can wait. I have an appointment with God. Hallelujah. Let's have that reverence for God. That is why in one of our tenets of faith, we say when you come, you have to enter reverently and pray fervently. Worship God in the beauty of his holiness. What does that mean? Like I said, you don't step into church and start moving around, give me a high five. No, you enter like you just came into the king's presence. Without understanding that I am now in the king's presence. If you get into the wires now, your attitude will change. Even the way you walk will change because you know you are somewhere different. Whenever you step into God's presence, you understand that this is not an ordinary place. God is here. Hallelujah. The angel said to Zachariah, say, your prayers have been answered. Let me tell you something. There are sometimes we pray and we even forget that we pray those prayers. But there is no prayer you pray that God doesn't hear. No matter how long it takes, God always answers prayers. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to tell somebody, God still answers prayers. Amen. Tell another neighbor who looks happy and tell the neighbor, God still answers prayers. Amen. Hallelujah. There is a formula we always give about prayer. Whenever a woman is about to deliver in the, in the labor room, there is something the midwife keeps saying. Who knows that? The women who have given birth before, there is something the midwife keeps saying if you're in the labor room. Push! And push in, in prayer language actually means 
P-U-S-H means pray until something happens. So tell the neighbor, never push. I know you're a neighbor, but never push. And tell another neighbor who looks like they're in labor, tell the neighbor, never push, push. Say, neighbor, the baby is coming, keep pushing. Hallelujah. Pray until something happens. You don't give up, you keep praying until you see the miracle. But this morning, there are three things I want to share with you to help you know how to wait for God's time. Number one, if you are waiting for God's time, you have to prepare yourself. I remember back in, in, in Cameroon, whenever the governor is visiting a school or a province, that for one week there will be no school. There is cleaning up. We are dry cleaning the toilets. We are making sure everyone is clean. We put flowers and palm trunks on the roadside to wait for the governor. Even in Israel, whenever God was about to visit his people, he told Moses, tell the people to consecrate themselves. There is always a preparation before there is a visitation. And preparing yourself while you wait for God's time is living the life that is right in the eyes of God. The Bible clearly says that in verse 6, they were both righteous and blameless. They were both righteous. They prepared themselves for that visitation. They made themselves clean for that visitation. Sometimes even in our houses, like this weekend, we had my brother and all came from Kansas City to visit us. My wife cleaned the whole place. Went to the guest bathroom, changed the sheet, bought new pillows on one man. Preparation to receive a human being. <laughs> but we don't have that same attitude when we are preparing to, to wait for God. We just walk around, living in sin, doing anything. And God's time is the best. That's why God's time is not coming because when God looks at your life, you are not prepared to receive him. When he looks at you, there is always a sin. There is always a crush. There is always immorality. There is always something in your life. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to the people. If you are going to see God's time, you have to prepare yourself. Hallelujah. It's like a story that says a sister is praying. Praying for a husband. And God said, I'm going to give a husband in 2019 by June. In 2019, by March, you commit fornication. The plan has scattered. You come in and say, oh God, forgive me for all that. God will always forgive. Say, okay, now, January 2020, I'm giving you a husband. When is December 2019, you're back in fornication. You keep postponing God's plan and saying God's time is the best. God's time is the best. If you are going to see God's time, you have to prepare for God's time. Tell anybody, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. In Proverbs 21, verse 21, it says, Whoever pursues righteousness and love find lives and prosperity. You know this, Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing shall be added unto you. If you need to seek God, you need to walk in righteousness. And number two, if you are waiting for God's time, you need to position yourself. Hallelujah. Position yourself. The Bible clearly says in verse 9, he was to burn incense when he went into the temple. Like I said, it was a lifetime chance. Now imagine that they did a cast lots on Zachariah to burn incense. Zachariah was not available. 
So I can't be there because, you know, I'm busy or something else. You would have missed this opportunity. I was preaching here some weeks ago, and before I came to church, God actually gave me a word for a sister. I came to church, she wasn't in church. This is how people miss their opportunity because they are never in the position that God will visit them. Position yourself. Now let me show you something in the Bible. When you read your Bible very well, if you know the story of blind Bartimaeus, he was sitting at the gates, and when he heard Jesus passing, he asked the people, who is that? They said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He started crying and said, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said, the people asked him to be quiet. The Bible said, he shouted the more. And Jesus said, what can I do for you? He said, I may have my sight. Jesus prayed for him, and he restored his sight. If you read your Bible well, after Jesus passed on that road, the next incident was triumphant entry to Jerusalem. He was arrested and killed. Meaning that if Bartimaeus was not on the road that day when Jesus was passing, he would have been blind all his life. There is a position that if you are not there, you can miss God's blessings. There's some Sunday mornings that are designed for you. God has designed that morning to change your destiny. But once you get to the morning, you say, I, I was too tired. You know, I'm too tired. I can't go to church today. And you're absent. And the angel is walking in the hall today. I brought the package. I brought the blessing. I brought that job. I brought that breakthrough. Where are you? You're in the house sleeping. You are not in position. Read your Bible again. When Abraham had a visit that I spoke about some weeks ago, when the angel visited Abraham, the Bible said Abraham was under an oak tree in the afternoon, and he saw these three men passing, and he welcomed them into his house. Now imagine if Abraham was not under that tree when the angels were passing, they would have passed him back. Go further again. When Abraham interceded for his cousin Lord, for his nephew Lord, and told the angels, if you find 10 people in Sodom, will you still destroy the city? They said no. When the two angels arrived Sodom, the Bible said Lord was at the city gate. Remember, the angels didn't know it was Lord. Lord welcomed them into his house. And then they told Lord, take your family and leave this house, leave this town. If Lord was not at the gate when the angels came, they would have destroyed it too. There is a position that you need to be for God to bless you. Read your Bible again. When God sent Elijah to Zarephath, to a widow, the Bible said when Elijah arrived Zarephath, the widow was at the city gate, guarding sticks. If that widow was not at the gate when Elijah arrived, she would have died of poverty and famine. There is a place you need to be for God to bless you. Tell her about position yourself. Tell them about position yourself. We see in this place that he was faithful in service. Like he didn't say, well, I've been praying for all these years for a child. God has not given me a child. I'm tired of that church, you know. I go once in a while. Once every Sunday, I can follow it online. I can listen to the podcast. He was present every Sunday. Always there to serve. And God visited him. There are some people whose miracles are delayed because they are not consistent. They are not, they are not in position. You come to church two times a month. And all the times you miss is the day God wants to bless you. If you are going to receive what God has for you, you need to position yourself. I told you this story about a lady that was always coming late to church. And, and she had no child. Every Sunday, late, late, late. And one day, 
She had a dream. How she came to church five minutes past nine o'clock. And there was an angel blocking the door for her not to enter. And she thought it was just a regular guy at the door, like maybe an usher. So she turned to go to the left, the angel blocked. She went to the left, the angel blocked. She said, what is your problem? So she went to the window to look what was going on in the church. Then she saw a man that was bright like the sun putting his hands upon everyone as they were worshiping. Nobody was even aware. The man was just putting his hands on people, blessing them. Blessing them. And the, angel, the, the lady knew in the dream that that was God blessing the people. She came back to the door and tried to force her way into the door. And the angel said to her, God is a covenant-keeping God. Anyone who is not here on the time the church agreed is not in God's program. Let me say that again. Anyone who is not here on the time the church agreed is not in God's program. How many of you have gone to, late, gone to work late since this year started? We are faithful to our jobs, but not to church. You are telling God, I'm going to be faithful to my company, but not to you, and you want God to bless you. Position yourself. You need to be where God needs to bless you. That lady went, cried to God, repented. She started coming to church every Sunday. Late. In three months, she conceived without prayers and gave birth to a child. You need to be in position. Hallelujah. Position yourself. And lastly, if you are waiting for God's time, you need to present yourself. What does it mean to present yourself? The Bible said the angel said to Zachariah, your prayers have been answered. Not your complaining. Not your grumbling. Because some of us are champions when it comes to complaining. We can grumble, we can complain, but not pray. If you learn how to pray, Luke 18 verse 1 says, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Be anxious about nothing, but in everything but prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present, present, present your request to God. If you are waiting for God's time, you need to present yourself. Anytime you come before God in prayers, you're telling God, God, I'm still waiting. I know you promised me this miracle. I'm still here waiting. I know you promised me this breakthrough. I'm still here waiting. I know you said I'm going to have this job. I'm still here waiting. I know you said this year will be my year. I'm still here waiting. When you stop praying, you are telling God, I'm no longer interested in that blessing. So you need to present yourself. You don't stop praying. You pray, like I said, until something happens. Hallelujah. There's a favorite scripture that we like to quote, but we don't quote all the scriptures. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans that I have towards you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future. Now, if you go to verse 13, it's where many Christians don't read. What does it say? It says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you when you seek me and you will find me when you see me with all your heart. So, it is not enough to, for God just to have a plan for you. God says that this plan will actually come to pass when you have come to me and pray and seek me with all your heart. Then shall that plan come to pass. So there are many of us who call the plan, know the plans that God has for me. Yeah, God has planned for me, but you are not praying. You will never see the plan. Listen, prayer is the only legal invitation that allows God into the affairs of men. Let me say it again. Prayer is the only legal invitation 
that brings God into the affairs of men. When you don't pray, you are telling God, I don't need you. When you pray, you are inviting God into the situation. So that is what some people say. So why is it that God is looking at these things and he's not intervening? If you don't pray, God has no authority in the business. Because this kingdom, this earth is given to man. Man gave it to the devil. Then Jesus came down on the cross and said, if you understand the authority that I have, you will sample upon serpents and scorpions. But until you get that revelation, the enemy is still in charge. It is when you start to pray that God comes down into the situation. Read your Bible very well. God promised Abraham that his descendants were going to be in Egypt for 400 years. But they were actually in Egypt for 430 years. And when God appeared to Moses, he said, the cry of my people has reached me. So if they did not cry, they would have stayed even longer than 430 years. Prophecies don't fulfill themselves. You pray to fulfill prophecy. Read the Bible in the book of Daniel. When Daniel was reading the scrolls, the Bible said Daniel found out that their captivity was supposed to last for 70 years. And when Daniel knew that it was the 70th year of their captivity, Daniel started interceding. And that is how they were delivered from captivity. Like I said, many of us just focus on God's time is the best. God, God's time, 2019 is finishing. God's time is the best. 2020, God's time is the best. 2021, God's time is the best. You be a grandma, God's time is the best. If you are going to wait for God's time, you need to understand how to wait. Amen. Hallelujah. Because God is about to do something in our lives. Amen. But like I said, you need to prepare yourself. Position yourself and present yourself. We have wonderful promises that God has for us all. And they will all come to pass if we know how to wait for God's time. Maybe you are here this morning. Like I said, you've lost your prayer life. You don't have a relationship with God. Today can be a day for you to start waiting for God's time. Maybe you're not even in God's agenda, God's program. If you know what immigration does, when you apply for immigration, for any documents, for anything in immigration, there's a list of things you have to fulfill. Once all, everything on that list is checked before they can even consider you in the system. So there are some of us here waiting for God's time. When on our checklist, we're missing like five things. Church coming to time, fail. Giving to God, fail. Prayer, nothing. Evangelism, nothing. Your checklist is all empty. And you say, God's time is the best. God's, time. God's immigration system don't even recognize your case number. And that God's time is the best. After today, I pray that God gives you the grace to walk with him in a way that he will intervene in your life. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we stand on our feet? I don't know what you heard this morning, but talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. I don't know where you are in your position. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but talk to the Lord this morning. Talk to the Lord. Somebody talk to the Lord.